Welcome to The Last Detail, a thoroughly considered side quest. In this show, we chat with a distinguished guest about a single object that is meaningful to them. We dive deep into that object, discussing the design, the manufacturing process, the good, the bad, and everything in between. After all, good design is thorough, down to the last detail. Today's guest is Stephen Hackett, the founder of 512 Pixels and co-founder of Relay FM, the home of this very podcast. His object is the iMac G4. Steven, you have the distinction of being the most prepared guest to ever <laughs> come on to the last detail. So congratulations. Yeah, I put this Google Doc together and then I sent it to y'all. And that's when I realized, you know, maybe I've gone overboard. It's like, but no such the thing. sad thing is most of this was out of my head. Like I, I skimmed some stuff, but I was like, I know most even of the this. URLs. You're just typing. Yeah, them. yeah, I know. I know exactly where the keynote is on on YouTube. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, I guess to start out, you selected the iMac G4. So why did you choose that as your object to talk about today? I did. It is such an interesting computer to, to me. I think most everyone listening will know that I'm a, a bit of a computer historian nerd. But mm-hmm. there's something about the iMac G4 that like really sums up a moment in time. Like Jobs is back at Apple, they're out of the gutter, right? They're not, they're not bleeding money, and it's before sort of the current era of design where everything is like aluminum and kind of kind of cold. There was there was a transition in there somewhere in the middle where things were like fun and playful, and this computer to me is like the poster child for that, and uh, I think that makes it special to those of us who used it, you know, in its day or, you know, maybe didn't, maybe you're younger, but look back at it. It's like, oh yeah, that, like that's different in a kind of a fundamental way. So maybe it would be worth, uh, just like describing the, the Macs that were on either side of this kind of like as just a, because I think one is one thing that's so interesting about this is just like, it's a product that's been redesigned like, you know, a, t- a dozen times, right? And so it's interesting to mm-hmm. track that overall story of it. So like, what was what came before and then what came after this design? Yeah, and also just really quickly in case listener you're not glancing at the podcast artwork and iMac G4 doesn't mean anything to you when you hear that. It's the one that had the half dome base <laughs> with the screen the floating screen that was a, had a stainless steel neck. Like you'll know exactly. it when you see it, but that's the one we're talking yeah, about. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. So before this, you sort of have the original recipe iMac. You know, it's a CRT. It looks the first one was Bondi blue, kind of like a dinosaur egg, right? Rounded off, plastic, translucent, had a handle on the top of it because young people don't know this, but CRTs are heavy, and you had to move this thing around <laughs> and not you know hurt yourself. And that went through a couple of iterations. They did like 13 finishes on those iMacs. And then this one, yes, exactly what you said. Uh, it's the half dome. It's like, a, I think, like 10 and a half inch circumference. So it's not mm-hmm. huge. Um, white base. It's like if you cut a volleyball in half, kind of. And then the, yeah. <laughs> the floating LCD. And it was the first time Apple had put an LCD in the iMac. All of the G3s had those CRTs. And the whole thing was really built around the CRT. The CRT kind of defined the shape of it. But then after this computer, and really only a couple of years after this computer, when they went to the the G5, the next processor in line, 
that's sort of the same iMac we have today, where you have a screen and you have the computer behind it, and you just have a, a simple aluminum foot, and all the ports are on the back. And they've revised that, like you said, a bunch of times, but the architecture has more or less stayed the same, where you've got a screen with a computer behind it. Now, the M1 iMac, the colorful one, uh, that one, the computer is actually below the display in the chin, and there's basically nothing behind the screen except speakers, which is why one reason it's so thin. But, you know, where did the computer go kind of joke is where we've been <laughs> for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think it's so interesting. Yeah, looking at that historical timeline, I, I rewatched the keynote for the introduction of this computer, and I pulled out a few of Steve Jobs' quotes when he was talking about this thing. One thing he said is, this is the best thing I think we've ever done in in uh, regards to the transition from CRT to flat screens. He said, uh, this is the opportunity of the decade to reshape desktop computers. And then hmm. later on, he said, it has a beauty and a grace that is going to last the next decade. So what is so <laughs> interesting to me is... None of that came to pass, but all of it was true for the very next one they made. Like the the G5 right. is literally this. We still that's what the iMac is now. It's the same computer. In right. Two decades. We're going on twenty years now of that design of the entire computer is kind of glommed on to the screen, and it's just one mm-hmm. thing on a tilt swivel. And so this to me is the biggest kind of mystery. So my personal uh, preference, I'm right there with you. Like this is probably my favorite Apple product or one of them. And I don't know if it is the best Apple product, but I think it's Apple at its best, which is when they're balancing these like high design, like this could go in a museum with whimsy and getting that, uh, that balance right is really difficult. And I think this is the product that would I would point to. You know, it's it's tasteful, but it's not pretentious. It's whimsical, but it's not cloying. And that balance is like Apple at its best. And this is the this is the computer that does that the best. So I would have loved to see an alternate history where what he said is actually true and IMAX still look like this today instead of kind of Mm -hmm. what they did that you know in the next iteration with the g5 so that to me is kind of one of the great (laughs) mysteries of this product that we're talking about today g4 is it was it seemed like it was a hit it was very like it was critically acclaimed like people appreciated it in its time why did they abandon it after two years two and a half years however long this product existed like that is the the mystery of this product to me and one thing i just have want to clarify something or ask a question. Did this computer have an ad where it was like a sunflower? So that's that's one of the nicknames of it. Uh, as is like the eye lamp, which I think is a worse nickname. <laughs> um, sort of the iconic advertisement of this is a guy's walking down the street. And this is in like a storefront window. And he makes faces yeah. at it. And like it makes faces back. And it sticks its tongue out with the optical drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think though going back to like the... Well, what Josh said just didn't pan out. You're right. And rewatching it, that jumped out at me too. I haven't seen this keynote in, in a, quite a while. Mm. But 
I think the clues are also in the keynote. He he kind of jokes, like he has an iMac G3 on a slide and cuts the back of it off and is like, there you go. It's like, dude, that's the iMac you're going to release in two yeah. years. Um, <laughs> but they, they said a couple of things that are interesting. Uh, one, that the, you know, the, the connectors on the logic board will be facing the same way. Well, like clearly they could have just changed that and they did yeah. with the mm-hmm. next one. Mm-hmm. You don't have all the cables coming out the side of your iMac, right? Come out the back. But he mentioned the spinning drive. So the hard drive and the super drive yeah. had to be slowed down. And there, there's a, a regression in this machine that, uh, in the fact that this one used a, a tray loading optical drive. So the thing came out, you, you sat your CD on it, mm-hmm. and it pulled it back into the machine. Mm-hmm. That's how the original iMac G3 was. But during a revision, they went to a slot loading drive, which like, uh, I have I have this like video article idea and I just have never done it and I'm gonna say it someone else will do it but <laughs> Steve Jobs hated I think he really hated that I think he really liked slot loading optical drives anytime he he introduced a product he would mention that it was a slot loading drive like a couple of times yeah <laughs> and there's this story uh, going back to the original IMAX product development that Jobs came in saw that it had a tray loader. And got like angry, and they're like, mm-hmm. "No, no, like that's for the next one. This one has tray loading." But they did that because of the super drive, the super drive where you could burn CDs and DVDs, which let me tell you was very fancy in two thousand and two. That form fact, that drive required a tray load at that time, oh, and okay. and so I think once they could put that optical drive on its side, once I guess they felt comfortable putting a hard drive on its side, it freed them up to do mm-hmm. you know the iMac as we know it today. So I really think so much of this computer is designed around the technology constraints that they had mm-hmm, at the moment, mm-hmm. right? And I think he says in the keynote they'd worked on it for a couple of years. Like, with those timelines, you've got to make decisions pretty early. And that means that they were going to, you know, say they had solved the SuperDrive problem. Well, you already designed this computer and you got to build it, right? Yeah. So yeah. It, it as beautiful and as interesting as it is... It really, at the end of the day, I think the mystery is they had constraints and they figured out how to do it. Like you, you didn't say it, but my favorite quote in the introduction is, uh, "You know, let each ele- element be true to itself. Mm-hmm. If the screen yeah. is flat, let it be flat. If yeah. it, the computer wants to be horizontal, let it be horizontal." Like that's exactly what they did, yeah. and I think it's because of those those constraints they had. Yeah, I, I guess what I would say to that, I think that's all true and makes a ton of sense. I guess what I would question is, is the G5 actually better than this computer? Obviously, like computationally, like it's faster and whatever, but the screen certainly isn't as flexible. Like it's on, it's now just on a tilt arm instead of having that full flexibility of up and down side rotation side to side. Mm -hmm. And then just aesthetically, instead of this floating in air screen, it's now kind of a big chunky iPod looking thing. That's, you know, kind of floating, but the illusion is not as compelling as the, uh, as the G4. So I would argue even though they were able to solve the technical problems, like you mentioned, the sideways drive and, and the logic board and all these things, the the G4 was a better design even without those uh, constraints. That's at least my opinion. Yeah, I wonder, you know, so Dan, is it, is it just feeling like the the thing that you think works so well with the G4 and the like 
the whimsical comes from the movement on the screen? I mean, is that like the... Yeah, the movement of the screen is a lot of it. And then I think just the... Well, there's a little more there. There's a little more to grab onto, I guess. Whereas the the G5 is really just like an extruded white rectangle, like, you mm-hmm. know, floating on an arm. It's like, a really, really early iPad, honestly. Yeah, stand. yeah. It's, it's like, like it's what a it paired, is. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. So I actually went back and watched the G5 introduction, too, because I was really curious, like, how did they sell this? How did they argue this as a as like the next iteration of the iMac design and their pitch is really interesting. You got to remember this is what 2004 kind of the height of the iPod and it's their pitch is what, what would it look like if the makers of the iPod designed a computer, which is like, well, people hated that Mac users (laughs) hated that line. Uh, And yeah, even I remember even like the, like the artwork in the Apple store was like an iPod and a dock and an like iMac same G5 angle, like at, the, yeah. at the same angle. Yeah. And the thing was like two inches thick. Like it was, yeah. I mean, they, they got it thinner over time, but yeah. the iMac G5 is it, it's a little chunky. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I do wish that they had, you know, explored this design a little bit further. Yeah. I think they got into, into trouble because I mean, it launched with just one screen size of 15 inch. They added a 17 uh, a little bit later on and then a 20 and the 20 like the proportions are all wrong like the display is too uh-huh, big for yeah. the base mm-hmm. like you can yeah. kind of see it like toppling over if you're not careful <laughs> and clearly they wanted to go to bigger screens like when the iMac G5 came out I think it was just 17 and 20 they dropped the 15 and that you know maybe that was part of the decision of like hey we 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 foresee that we want these bigger screens because eventually they did like a 24 inch white yeah. plastic iMac. And then mm-hmm. of course they went mm-hmm. aluminum, but maybe that was part of it too. It's like, yeah, 15 isn't really cutting it anymore. And yeah, the 17 and twenties, like the design works. Like you could still move the display where you wanted, but it definitely, there's definitely something more elegant about that original 15 inch, I think. And that's, yeah. that's the one I have yeah. partially because over the years, that's the only one that can still hold its screen up. <laughs> the the neck kind of strains over the years of the big ones. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that I, I bet that's it. I bet it's literally that. Like if you project forward, like yeah. this doesn't work with the 24 inch screen, yeah. we would have to like weight it like crazy. Mm-hmm. Or, like, mount it or have a huge base, and it just, like, doesn't work. And that, like, Mm -hmm. because you're not going to be, like, rotating a huge 24-inch screen. And the other thing we don't know is, like, sure, we love that it moves, but how many people actually moved it? Ever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I like in the keynote, Steve Jobs is like, you can pull it in close if you're working on a spreadsheet. And it's like, yeah, he's, he's really like hunkering get, down. Yeah, or really something. get in there with that spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, e- even now, I'm sitting in front of a studio display. And I sprung for the one with the fancy hinge, uh-huh. and I never move it. Like, I put well, it where t- I want it. You moved it to where you like <laughs> yeah, it, you and then you don't move it, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. could have just put books under the cheaper stand, you know, <laughs> but I didn't. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I remember I used one of these uh, in its day at, at my high school newspaper. It was, like, the good Mac we had. We had a bunch of, like, beige Macs, and we had some, like, a couple of iMac G3s. Then we had one G4, and it was the iMac. And uh, I don't think I ever was like hunkering down with Cork Express, you know, like <laughs> zooming in to pixel peep on a G4. Uh, <laughs> see, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, how many people moved it around. Yeah. But the the engineering in that neck is incredible. I found some pictures that we can have in the show notes of the inside of this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. how much time and money do they spend 
making it – you could move it with one finger mm-hmm. and it would stop and stay in place. Like I can't yeah. imagine how much engineering time that took. Yeah. Well, but- I also love – I did – I looked at it too and like the spring is like a polished spring. <laughs> and, and like, you know, you can just tell that uh, – that One of the uh, unheralded or uh, maybe underappreciated Apple design is – have they ever made a bad hinge? Like their laptop hinges are amazing. The like cur- the current yeah. tilt uh, or the current uh, height adjustable studio display and XDR. Like they are very very good at making like movable yeah. hearts hinges and uh, things. So no surprises there, I suppose. Yeah, I think that I think like the original MacBook Air, its hinges exploded over time. Mm, but okay. on yeah. the whole, they're very good. Which yeah. is like a very funny thing to me to think about because. Microsoft has sort of set itself up as like the hinge company. In fact, <laughs> their uh, Surface Studio, I think is what it's called, their big desktop, it's like the iMac. It has like a base and then it has this giant screen that you can tilt back and forth and you can bring it down and like draw on it with a uh, a stylus. And it's just, it's interesting to see that alternative path does kind of exist with Microsoft. Mm-hmm. But they every time they introduce something like, they get on stage and talk about the hinge engineering for 10 minutes. And it's very impressive. Like, don't get me wrong. But it's kind of funny that these companies, like, compete on something that seems... It's like, oh, just throw a hinge in it. It's like, well, no, really, there's tons of work in this. Like, if you think even about the notebooks where you can open it with one finger and the base of the computer stays on the desk. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Th- that's dialed in really carefully. I, mm-hmm, I mean, back in mm-hmm. my days when I was repairing Macs for a living... It was in the days of like the white and black plastic MacBooks. Mm-hmm. And all you do is take the top case off and it wants to rock back a little bit. By the time you take yeah. a hard drive out or, you know, an optical drive out or something, it's top heavy. That's how close the balance is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, when a company can be so heavy on the engineering, the like deep levels of engineering. Like, and they even mentioned in the keynote where like the bottom of this thing is like a a, a, like a radially brushed like stainless steel plate and then when you take it off the memory is really easy to like upgrade and stuff mm-hmm. like to be that deep in the woods on the hardware level but then like you said dan to be able to be playful mm-hmm. and like and then have this like friendly exterior that is like the culture of that is like i don't know how that happens and you yeah. know obviously a company like microsoft learned that that's worth it and so they've thus invested in it and they're doing that but like that was i'm guessing there was not any other company that was doing that because even look at like Sony at the time, they made some kind of I- interesting, innovative products, but it's not like they had the same level of technical engineering chops mm-hmm. in the in the in the hardware design, like functional design that like Apple did. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it just yeah. wasn't the same. Yeah, I-, I pulled a Johnny Ive quote from the product introduction video that touches on exactly what you just said. He said, "It's one thing to solve design problems." It's much, much harder to give personality, to give life to a product. And that's like an interesting, I feel like in the later years, his language was all about inevitability. Like where it's when he's talking about the latest iPad design, when it's just a rect- a hard rectangle <laughs> that's all screen. It's like the you can't it's harder to talk about, you know, personality and whimsy. It's all about, well, this is inevitable. This is where the technology is going. And <laughs> I have a that's my kind of Johnny Ive theory of why he ultimately left Apple is the technology pushed him out because everything got thin, everything got 
full screen to where there isn't there isn't much space to play anymore. It's all just it's only software, software yeah. interface. And yeah. so um, all the the kind of late 90s, early 2000s, uh, we don't see that much too more. And it's more of like a technology reason. Not a, He didn't like lose his soul or, you know, lose his whimsy or whatever. It's just like there's no space for it anymore. I'm glad you mentioned the bottom of it. That's actually one of my favorite details. And of course, the the radial brushing looks really cool. And you can go online and see people have like taken the bottom and made clock faces and stuff out of them. <laughs> But the screws in that thing are captive. They've got little springs uh that hold the screws when you unscrew the base. So, you know, you got to turn this thing over, and that's kind of awkward. Um, In Apple stores, they had, like, a service stand that, like, locked the screen in place so you could work on it more carefully. Mm. Most people at home just put Mm. a towel down on their table. Mm. But you back the four screws out, and you don't lose them, right? It was designed for people to open it at home and put an airport card in it or put, put more memory in it course that's all all gone today too but just a little detail of like okay these screws are going to be captive so you can't you know drop them in the carpet in your dining room Mm, and like they're they're gone forever because they're tiny screws and they're not phillips i'm sure they're like a pentalobe or some like Uh, they may be they may be phillips on the bottom of the imac but once you're inside i'm sure it's all sorts of like torques and stuff but uh it was designed for for people to to access. Yeah, yeah, they wanted everyday people to be able to get that open. Yeah, but they also just like would have included a tool, you know. But yeah, yeah I'm looking here at pictures. I see Phillips and a pentalobe thing. You know, the the reason why a pentalobe or something is good is because it's really hard to strip those. Yeah. So although it sucks that you have to have a special thing, like you won't ruin the screw, and most people like strip screws if they put them in because oh yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right that like that is. It's like we we looked at like a Sonos, you know, I guess one of the first episodes on this show. And I think Sonos is, you know, one of the other companies that really does this level of thoughtfulness that Apple, you know, has done. And it's just so rare to really encounter a company that's large like this that that really goes through all the paces to think through everything like all the way. And it's cool to see them doing it. So early, like it's very recognizable, right? Like it's a very recognizable Apple thing to do, and it's you know, it's been it's been there for a long time. It's uh, it's interesting thinking about was this the last like whimsical Apple product? Oh, that's an interesting question. Because the iMacs did get real boring after this, yeah, and like really <laughs> like iPhoney, like, and we all know that, right? I know when we were speculating about the new iMac, like, what's it going to be, our iMac Pro or whatever, whatever. Like, we all know that what's going to happen is it's going to end up being a screen with a computer on the back that you don't see, and it's just yeah. a full mm-hmm. full yeah. screen with no chin. We mm-hmm. know that's what's going to happen eventually. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, it's space gray this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think uh, I would argue the uh, the smart cover for the iPad 2 was pretty yeah. whimsical. Like, that was fun. Like, the magnets were really clever. The way you But that's an accessory. Well, yeah, but it's an Apple I agree. product. Yeah, and and it was an accessory, but it actually was really tightly connected to that iPad as a product. Like, oh yeah, it, you yeah, know, yeah, it yeah. was it was kind of basically part of the product, even though you could detach yeah. it and not use it. But yeah, yeah, but that didn't like they didn't make a commercial. You know, the commercial was like, look how snappy this is, which is mm-hmm. definitely a thing. It's mm-hmm. definitely the like, hey, magnets, how do they work? <laughs> kind of vibe, but like. The, I do. Re, I, I I gasped whenever you reminded me of that commercial of the iMac, this iMac G4, like following the guy in the window mm-hmm. and like sticking out his tongue. It's like, oh yeah, I do. That was like, 
really something. Yeah. And just like imagine, I, I, were the Mac commercials, the beloved Mac commercials I'm thinking of, with like Hodgman, this this same time period, or was that? It was later. Yeah, yeah that okay. was that was I think into the the Intel years. But because it, but because like think about that compared to like now Apple, like even that was far more like fun whimsy. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think I think the best places we see it now are like the colors of the iMac, right? And yeah. Apple does do these like little nods to their history, which they used to never do. Mm-hmm. But th- even like on the iPhones, right? Like we get. Some some years will get better colors than others, but it's still just color because kind of to your point, everything else has kind of been pushed out, right? Like yeah. an iPhone is what it is. Really, the only thing that has any space for fun is the in the realm of finishes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You brush mm-hmm. something, you colorize it one way or the other. This really, this iMac really was sort of the last, I, I think, really sort of like the whole product being whimsical and fun and other things have slowly drained out over time. Like yeah. for a long time when a Mac was asleep, the little led would sort of breathe. In I was and out. just mm-hmm. going to mm-hmm. mention that. Yeah. Like I think there's, there's whimsical, but there's also, I think an interesting topic of discussion is personification and like how, Anthropomorphic. how, yeah, yeah, yeah how important yeah. is it that the computer seems like a person? So like the 1984 Mac, it like says hello to you when you boot it up. Yeah. Like that was a core part of the friendliness of this scary computer that no one knows how to use it. And you're going to bring it home for the first time. It's like, oh, it's, it's friendly. It's talking to me. This computer with the, with the, uh, you know, the commercials and it's dancing around and it's sticking out its tongue, the breathing on the light uh, that you said. And then we've come all the, we've kind of slowly pushed that out. And I guess the question is, is that sad? Have we lost something? Or is that just a natural progression of like, people know how to use computers now. They don't need a, feel like they're interacting with a person like we've gotten over that hump of technology is scary it needs to be friendly in this like personified way um i mean i remember we were talking about uh the uh the mac studio and it's got there's the opportunity to put a face on the front is right there you know there's there's two eyes and a mouth but they obviously didn't go for that and so i it's just interesting to think about that yeah man i think you're right people overall need fewer affordances when mm-hmm. it comes to technology. And I think where you still see them is in software. Like when you boot up an iOS device for the first time, it says hello and it kind of walks you through the setup and they've worked really hard to make that as simple as possible, even though it's pr- pretty complicated. Like the net- <laughs> last time you set up a phone from scratch, but like there's a lot of screens you have to yeah. contend yeah. with. <laughs> but at the end of that, you get a lot. I mean, it's like, it is yeah. super reductive. I mean, even though it is a lot, it's still incredibly reductive, you know, yeah. like in terms of what it's doing. So, yeah, I, I, I do wonder if we are, I think we are missing something, but I do think it's more about nostalgia than like we actually need them anymore yeah. like i think yeah. about i mean yeah. we all have you know young kids um mine are a little bit older than yours i think but like i see them interact with technology and even if it's something they haven't used before like they kind of get it right mm-hmm. like there's a language that they've sort of just developed over time that was probably true honestly like it, when the i mean 2002 like people knew what a personal computer was it was different than 1984 but they leaned into it with this product in a way that they really 
they really didn't afterwards. Like, yeah. even in the G3 days, like, like if you go on YouTube and look at iMac G3 ads, it's all about the finishes, but they're, like, swirling around, and there's music, and it's like, Kermit the Frog is saying it's not easy being green, and they show a green <laughs> iMac. Like, yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't see much of that anymore. Yeah. I, you know, part of me, I, I totally buy the argument that, like, we don't, technology is no longer scary to people, so we don't need it to be friendly, right? To form a relationship with it or to get us over the, the hump. Yeah, I mean, obviously you want it to be user-friendly in that way, but it doesn't need to, like, feel like a person. But I do think we are entering an era where we're going to start having relationships with, like, technology and robots that there's going to be this question of, like, empathy and, like, mm-hmm. relationship with, like, things that are feel more real. Like, you know, chat GDP. Like, I say please and stuff to it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it there, there's a question. It's brewing, right? It may take a, a decade. It might take 20 years. But at some point, you will likely have robots around you that you can either treat like crap or not. And so I think someone caring about their computer and maybe having a nickname for it and putting, like, googly eyes on it, like, that... There's something there. Like there's there's something about that relationship and what's happening and reinforcing that or not. And so I think a lot of these things of like making this iMac G4 come to life in the commercial and have like a personality is interesting. Obviously, they do that with Siri, right? Like, yeah. but, but it's not in the hardware. It's all in the software. And so the question is like, is there room where you can still bring some of that to the hardware to where there's a relationship getting kind of formed or worked on or not. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it's obviously a question, but I think it's, to me, it's not a solved thing. I, I, I think there's room for the hardware to, to have some like personality and aliveness so that you have a different relationship to it. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a question, but, but uh, I, I, there's something there. I, there's something about it that um, is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting yeah. that, I, we were talking about kind of this this personality of uh, these past computers, and then I was saying that's basically gone away, just like completely forgetting about Siri. I don't know what that says about Siri, but it, it's like, oh yeah, that is uh, that the whole conceit of that is you're talking to a person, you're you're talking to yeah. this assistant that is uh, helpful to you. Um, so yeah, perhaps it hasn't disappeared, but just shifted to this other thing that now we have to figure out the best way to kind of present it yeah. to users. There's an element to this, uh, and I'm, I'm really curious to get y'all's take on this, is like the novelty aspect. Like you also have to balance, okay, this is like cute and friendly the first time I pull it out of the box, mm-hmm. but two years into owning it and I turn it on or I pull it out of my laptop bag or, or my pocket, mm-hmm. like do those affordances do they do they wear out over time? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I know there's things, and you see this in in iOS in particular, where there's some affordances, like when you open an app for the first time, or maybe there's a new feature in an app, and the developer, if, if it's Apple or a third party, will kind of walk you through, hey, you know, you're looking for this, it's over here, and then you don't mm-hmm. see it again because you've seen it once. But you can't do that with hardware, right? Like if if yeah. if there's some affordance or whimsy and hardware you have to consider the fact that this is going to be on someone's desk or part of their life for a really long time and going back to the iMac like yeah it was really awesome that you could put the screen where you wanted it and even like in my high school paper yeah I wouldn't like hunker down over it 
But if I was working on a layout and someone sat next to me, I could like position the display for them to see. But then when I wanted it where I wanted it, it it almost didn't matter that it moved. Like going back to the studio display conversation, right? Like this display does can move and tilt. I don't do any of it, but it doesn't harm me that it can, Mm, or it doesn't get in the way that it can. I'm curious, like what you all think about, like, is that an aspect here? I'm I'm a person that literally I have like 3D printers next to me that have googly eyes on them. <laughs> like uh, part of that is like in a studio the employee was like we need to name these guys, but I also really like it. And I think that there's although it is dumb, I'm sure I would like my computer more if I put googly eyes on it. Because it's like a it's a relationship, right? And I would probably get could get more frustrated and call it names if it had googly eyes on it. And I think that there's a relationship. There's like a patina that's happening on these computers and these devices, like back and forth. That's like always happening. And depending on the story you tell yourself in your head about like your relationship to the object can really change that. And so I'm not saying Apple should be putting googly eyes on their thing, but I think it matters if they introduce this product and it's alive and like responding to you and is very like human interaction-y, it sets the stage for a different story to tell yourself when you're interacting with it or have it for your whole life. And those little influences, I think, can make a huge difference in just like how you feel towards your device. Like for me, my iPhone, I could care less. If someone was like, hey, I'll trade you for another hardware thing, I'd be like, yeah, instantly. I don't care at all. I don't have any Mm -hmm. patina with this object. And um, I wonder, you know, I wonder about that. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder, and it, because the software just changes out from under you immediately, mm-hmm. you can't get it there really. So you don't have this like, you know, you can never get close to having like your favorite leather bound book that has, or like journal, right? That has like stuff, you know, like wear and patina on it. And so mm-hmm. I, I think there's something there. I'm not, I don't pretend to think that I know enough context to like advise Apple about like what they should do, but I think it's a shame <laughs> that the devices are such that you just they're so neutral and so unaccessible in terms of what I'm talking about that it is like you just can't care about them. How could you care about them? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a, a video that Apple did at some point in the last few years, maybe it was dub dub or something else, where like no, it was when they did the 2018 MacBook Air. See, my I don't know what I had for dinner last night, but I know that. I don't know how my brain works. But uh, and I know y'all are the same way, right? Like You can like yeah. look at something like, oh, it's this, this, and this. But common knowledge everyone else had is just falling out of the back of yes. your head. Uh, but there was a, a video, and the whole gist of the video was like, or, or, or kind of one of the through lines visually was stickers people put on their MacBook Airs, mm-hmm. right? And like... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot, you know, we have friends who do it. I have one sticker on the back of my MacBook Pro. It's a, it's a Next logo sticker because I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> but it's funny to like four people who are listening to this. <laughs> but like that's kind of as far as it goes now, right? Mm-hmm. People accessorize with a case that they like. That's why the iPhone case market is as big as it is. And it's why people do stickers and cases on their laptops. But it's different than you know, uh, an iBook that maybe came in bright orange and had a handle, right? Like, yeah. or an yeah. iMac that was felt, felt alive in, in, in a way. And I think it's so interesting that Johnny, I've used that language in that product video 
it's like bringing life into uh, an object. It's like, I don't think about things that way. It's probably why I'm not a product designer, <laughs> but uh, it, it is, it is. Yeah. It's, it's like the personalization is now like around the device and not kind of inherent to the device yeah. itself. Yeah. Maybe? People can kind of choose. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it goes back to what I said about at the beginning and what this iMac G4 balances so well is like, is this a museum object or is it a whimsical person-like friendly thing? And this product balances them really well. But I think what you were saying, like, do you put stickers on your laptop or not? I think the people that don't put stickers think of it more of like a precious, beautiful, like museum. Mm-hmm. Ooh, look at these chamfered hedges. Look at these, this brushed metal or whatever. And then the people that do put stickers are like, no, this is a personal, like fun object. Yeah. Like I want it yeah. to carry my personality by adding these, you know, artifacts to it. So it's, th- you're right that it's like people are now choosing that balance rather than the balance being inherent in the, in the product. Um, so yeah, that, that is kind of interesting. Yeah. So when's this, when's the studio neat, uh, series of phone cases coming out? That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's funny. Cause like, I think there's a lot, I think kind of maybe what you're talking about, Dan is, is, um, this kind of like human interaction, like human computer interaction thing, which is like a whole field of study. And the fact that on this G4, it's inviting you to grab it by the corner and just like move it where you want. Mm-hmm. Right. And like respond to you and like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm tired. I'm going to move this down or I really want to get in there and pull mm-hmm. it up. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that fact that you're touching it and moving it and it's responding to you is like that human cur- computer interaction is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And when I think about like an iPhone, Apple could easily make a stance where we're going to have more of a tactile experience in this OS. And so there's way more like haptic feedback. Like they could design a whole UI stack or computer interaction stack where you could know things from your pocket and like the number of buzzes and different tactile Mm -hmm. feelings that are happening on your phone without even looking right. There's totally a whole way that they could go. We know that they're adept at that. And so that kind of stuff where you're, you're having like a physical physical connection to these things, like it's totally possible. Like, mm-hmm. there's no reason why the studio display couldn't be the same way, and then arguably it should. Where it's like you should be able to articulate that thing however you want because that's mm-hmm. what it's doing. Its job is to like respond to you yeah. visually. So, like, I, I think there's a t- plenty of room for that human cur- computer interaction, like physical, yeah. like for them to just do that more and more. Yeah. I, why not? Like, yeah. it seems like if I touched my computer more, like I would have a different reaction relationship with it yeah. for sure. Yeah. Like no, no question. I think the Apple watch probably is the product that does that the most mm-hmm. of anything where it's like, Oh, it feels like you're getting tapped on the, on the wrist. You know, someone's mm-hmm. like trying, Hey, 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 trying to, you know, get your attention. Yeah. And that, uh, perhaps it's just like a product thing where it's like, Oh, the thing that's strapped to your body, it makes sense for that interaction to be carried through that way. Whereas maybe with the phone, maybe that's too far because if it's like rattling in your purse or whatever, you lose that, uh, that feeling of that type of, you know, haptic interaction. But yeah, it's, there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole world of exploration that could be done. And like, how do we make this feel like you have a relationship with it? Yeah. Like, like, you know, again, I'm, this is probably silly, but like, (laughs) 
you, when you throw something away on like Mac OS, it could go nom, nom, nom. <laughs> right? Like there's, there's a million things from yeah. a sound and visual or just a sound point of view that you, one could do to, ch- to change this, right? Yeah. Like, oh, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, and you said that was a stupid example, but like that's a perfect example of what Steven, you were talking about earlier, where it's like that might be funny the first three times, but you know, do you want that to happen yeah. every time? So that <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. such yeah. a, uh, that's, that's the fine line and the balance. And you can have mm-hmm. this, these things change too, where like if it's a new product or a new piece of software introduction, it's like it has these affordances and then they kind of fade over time as you become more comfortable with it and so but hey finder still has a face right yeah. it's the last face it's the last <laughs> it face that exists the right face. finder i mean yeah, it, why it does have a face but even the dock you know back for, i mean for 15 or 20 years in os 10 you, dr- you drug something off the dock and it would like poof with this little cloud yeah. animation mm-hmm. now that's gone it's like that was so much fun yeah. Yeah. you know but, and, so, but that so but those are two different things right the the poofy cloud is a fun whimsical thing mm-hmm. the uh, the Mac smiling at you and saying hello and saying thank you and stuff is a is a different thing. That's yeah. a relationship builder, mm-hmm. right? Possibly. Mm-hmm. Whereas the cloud is just kind of goofy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's several axes of this. It's yeah. not just all cheesy stuff. Like you could do all of these things in a real way. Like why doesn't I would love to hear the the debate that happened about like a smiley face. Like mm-hmm. losing like a hello or a smiley face on the Mac. Like, I don't know the history of that enough to really know, but it just feels like that's a thing that doesn't have very many downsides and, you know, could theoretically have a ton of upsides. Just like a hello. I'm, I mean, I'm a here, lot of that goes know? back to like Susan Care's work on uh-huh. the original yeah, Mac. Exactly. I mean, the, the smiling finder has been with us the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think the using some of these things for like contextual information is also interesting like there's a way that if you sort of are hunkering down with your imac g4 it's like a signal to yourself and others that like you're in the zone but yeah. then it can also go the other way you mentioned like what if i can know what's happening in my pocket via the vibrations like i don't know if it's still there but at least for a long time there was a feature in ios where you could set different vibration patterns to a contact and so forever i had my wife if she called me like it vibrated really rapidly. So like I knew if I was in a meeting and she was calling me and I was at work, like I should probably see what's up, you know? Yeah. And, and so the, these, these points of contact, like can, can work in either direction. And I think one reason it works so well in this particular iMac is like, it kind of works in both. Like the iMac is signaling, like I'm friendly, I'm fun, put your home videos and photos on me. And like, we're going to make stuff together. But then it also, conformed itself to what you wanted in any given moment and yeah and unobtrusively mm-hmm. like it's like it doesn't you know you don't have to adjust the, the screen arm thing but you can yeah. but you can't yeah mm-hmm. yeah and when you did it it wasn't difficult right it's not like you had yeah. like to get a, a hex wrench out and like adjust yeah. the tension on something right, right apple yeah. did all that work <laughs> for you to make it very easy for you just to put a finger up in the air and, and move something yeah I think about this a lot when I'm watching, I I watch a lot of like podcast video clips on YouTube and watching people who are really comfortable, have a really comfortable relationship with their mic and they're sitting in like, you know, a studio and they're really moving around their body, but they keep the mic with them Mm -hmm. and they just touch it and just move it so easily and freely. And I think that that's like a, that kind of stuff is like the best, like that mic, whatever mic stand they use makes the show probably way better 
because they're able to be more comfortable and move around, right? Mm-hmm. And right. I think that that is the dream, right? That you can just very naturally interact with technology and then it just is right there with you. And so, yeah, I mean, to me, if, if anything is to take be taken from this G4 design is like that exact thing of like, mm-hmm. I'm going to reach out and touch your computer. It's going to be okay. It's not going to leave a fingerprint on the screen. And it's going to move and just like mm-hmm. respond really, really naturally to what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, Steven, as the uh, as the resident Apple historian here, when when this computer was launched, what was its perception in terms of power? Like, was it considered an impressive entry into kind of the iMac lineup, or you know the the knock against Apple at certain points in its history is like this is an expensive toy that isn't you know as powerful as competitors yeah. or whatever like where did this kind of register with the public when it was when it was launched yeah well i, I think power wise it was a big deal because uh, up until this point apple's pro products so the power mac you know the desktop tower and the power book had a g4 in them which was much faster than the g3 and But the consumer products, the iBook and iMac, were saddled with the G3 still. And so mm-hmm. this was the consumer desktop, like, moving up a step. It gotcha. still wasn't as fast or as powerful as a Power Mac, but it meant that you could do things on an iMac that you couldn't do before. And mm-hmm. remember, this is, like, deep in the... I mean, th- this was introduced the same day iPhoto was. Like, this is in the digital <laughs> hub, like, oh, yeah. home video, home photo, you know, you're going to do all that stuff on your computer. The iMac made all that much, much better. So it gave consumers a an iMac that was much more capable. But it did come at a cost. Like, this thing started... Uh, at twelve ninety nine, well, you could get an iMac G three for seven ninety nine, and in fact, they kept oh. the G three on sale for like a year because it was such a big price jump for all the you know the technology, and you got to pay for all that hinge engineering. I guess the hinge engineering. <laughs> oh, nailed it! <laughs> <laughs> gotta get that. Hinge you think engineer. someone's job at Microsoft is engineer? I I bet it is. Oh, and, you, I sure hope so. If that's you, uh, <laughs> hit us up and let us know that's your job title. <laughs> so the cost was uh, a bit of a sticking point, but I think have, being for people who could afford it and who were really at the edges of what Apple was about at the time, you know, having a G four in this all in one was nice, and it was mm-hmm. it was cool. I mean, you know, the one we had in high school at the newspaper, like we distilled all of our PDFs on it because it was the fastest computer we had. And it just happened to be also like really fun and pretty, but it was, you know, for a lot of people, their first, you know, kind of serious Mac in terms of, in terms of computation. So mm-hmm. a little bit of a mixed bag, I think, but overall, like it definitely moved the product line forward. Yeah. I, I, I really, I thought it was really interesting in the keynote them walking through the design trade-offs they make and the design thinking. Now, maybe it wasn't truly the story, but they took the time to explain to the audience, like, we could have just cut this back off of iMac and mm-hmm. have this thing, and then we'd end up this. We couldn't do this because the discs and the heart, you know, just explaining all that thinking. Um, it's interesting that they did that. I wonder if they were, like, trying to hedge their bets and, like, explain to people why it looked, quote, weird or something. Yeah, maybe. Um or if they just 
we're excited because you know obviously as a designer i would love that about every product yeah like, tell yeah. me why you made all the decisions <laughs> yeah and i'm just like why are you guys talking about this like mm-hmm. you, you know mm-hmm. and so that was really interesting to me that they like went through that whole exercise like several slide exercises yeah. of yeah. like this is why we made this decision i would guess it was a like you said the unusual design like justifying it giving an explanation and b i'm guessing maybe there was and because steve jobs addressed it like there was an expectation that it was just going to be a hacked off you know like mm-hmm. basically what the g5 eventually became but uh they wanted to explain why they didn't do that and why they were justified in not just doing an all-in-one in that um, yeah. design. Yeah, because they could yeah. have done... Because so, so say that step one of this design process is we can't put the drives in their side, but we want to use an LCD. So you end up, I guess, eventually at, okay, the computer's going to be flat, the screen's not going to be. That doesn't dictate a really cool stainless steel neck that you can spin 180 degrees, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, they could have done lots of other things that didn't have the whimsy and the customization and the the personification that they did. Now, I don't know how hand in hand that was, you know, eventually Johnny Alva write a book and all three of us will buy it and read it on day <laughs> one, I'm sure. But it is, it is fascinating to think about, you know, how much time they spent on it. You mentioned the iMac G5 keynote. Phil Schiller did that one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is notable. And he sp- he spends some time on the design, but not as much. And like mm-hmm. over time, they've talked about it mm-hmm. less and less. Mm-hmm. But I think they, I think if they just said like this is the new iMac and like the neck does this thing, and they didn't explain why, people would be like, I don't like knowing why they did it helped me as a consumer understand what the product was. I mm-hmm. think in a weird yeah. way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there would be others. There's other ways to communicate that, but it is just interesting that they and and I'm almost certain that the thing that they explained in the keynote was not at all the design process, right? It's probably <laughs> yeah. not at all the design process. It's probably just a story, yeah. <laughs> you know, to tell. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I think we should move into uh, Dita Ram's design corner. But I just, before we leave the, uh, the kind of keynote, I just wanted to point out how great it was that he pulled out trains drops of jupiter cd to compare to, compare, to show as a size comparison it's like yeah, what a what a 2002 thing to do so yeah good. very yeah uh, anytime steve jobs like played music or showed music it's like i, I can tell what year this is in yeah you know? like what year and just like it's always like a very safe like kind of mainstream you know like this yeah. is really a Don't slice of uh of uh, a life or you know the a representative of the time so i thought mm-hmm. that was great all right well yeah let's let's do this uh steven did you pick a uh a Dita rams principle that you thought best uh exemplified this product i, I did uh i think the principle about a product being honest is what jumped out to me for all the reasons that we just encapsulated, right? That mm. whether or not it was how the design process went, the story makes sense about the computer needing to be one way and the display needing to be another way. And I think even like the design of the neck is like, they d- it's, it's a mechanical object and they don't hide that. Like if you have one or you look at pictures, you can see mm-hmm. these like tiny little screws in the side of it holding the the little plates on and you know it's stainless steel and like it shows fingerprints and 
there, there's something about it like this is what this computer is and you can put your hands all the way around it and it's not hiding anything from you. Like there's there's an honesty there that I think it speaks with. Yeah, I mean, that is for sure the one I had selected. I mean, like you said, the the, the big idea, let each element be true to itself. I mean, th- this is like, this product is kind of the, the dictionary definition of, you know, good design is honest, like just letting the elements reflect. I mean, you could argue it's like the the current line of IMAX are kind of like the previous generation that had the, the razor thin edge, but the bulbous back. I mean, that is kind of dishonest in a way where you're, mm-hmm. you're trying yeah. to hide the computer. You're not letting it be what it needs to be. You're disguising it or, or shielding it mm-hmm. in, in some way. So I think this is uh, for sure the most, I mean, I, I think the, the, uh, the G3 is pretty honest too. Like that you see this, this, the tube, the CRT inside of it, you <laughs> right. know, like, yeah, this computer is heavy. We put a handle on it for yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Tom? Um, I looked at that honest, but I actually ended up going with yeah, understandable. Good design makes a product understandable. Yeah. And I think the fact that like <clears throat> they can simply show someone grabbing it and moving the screen that's just like so instructive and it actually changes the relationship with you and the computer. It's no longer this brick on your desk. It's like a thing that can move. And I think that that just that simple, the fact that like you can see a one second video of someone like grabbing it and moving it. It's like, Oh, okay, this is different. And Mm -hmm. so maybe people didn't do that and whatever, but I just think that, and then it's because it's kind of similar to this honest idea where it's just like, okay, I understand this is the screen, that's the computer. Mm-hmm. And so, but I just think that the fact that it kind of exudes movement and like human computer interaction, um, or at least it can in the marketing um, with a little bit of marketing help, I think that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. I will break from <laughs> you too. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's good. I mean, yeah, like the arm it's a design that looks like it's meant to articulate and move. Like it's yeah. not, they're not trying mm-hmm. to make it look like something else. Well, and the screen looks like a screen. And yeah. I mean, like I said, these like understandable and honest are very yeah. similar. Yeah. Like these could have been nine Dieter Rams. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. S- simplify ever heard of it. Dieter? <laughs> Thoroughly considered is a joint production between relay FM and studio neat. You can find out more about this episode by going to relay.fm slash tc slash 101.